The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. As arson investigators continue to search through what's left of the Powell home, the medical examiner now says seven-year-old Charlie and five-year-old Braden Powell suffered chop injuries to their head and necks. The sheriff says their father, Josh Powell, then started the house on fire. We found two five-gallon cans of gas. Uh, one of them was with the bodies. The other one, we believe, was spread throughout the house. There was accelerants throughout the whole entire house. Police say before he carried out the murder-suicide, Powell donated his son's toys to charity and left instructions about his personal effects in multiple emails. He sent some emails out to family, you know, pastor and some other people, uh, making sure that everybody knew that he was gone, that he was the one that did this. He had put a plan in motion and he carried it out. Powell had been under police scrutiny following the suspicious disappearance of his wife, Susan Cox Powell, from their Utah home in December 2009. Six days ago, he lost a battle with Susan's parents for custody of his sons. You are hearing our friend at CBS, Ben Tracy. In the last days, a major advance in the case regarding Susan Cox Powell and her beloved boys, Charlie and Braden Powell. 
I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. I remember like it was yesterday when Susan Cox goes missing. She had been having so many problems with her weirdo husband, Josh Powell, and his freaky father-in-law. But she stayed in the marriage because of her two boys, Charlie and Braden. And then one night, about midnight, husband Josh Powell says he takes the two little boys camping in the freezing cold. Listen to his explanation. Why take your two young sons camping after midnight, freezing cold temperatures? Well, we just go out and do things that are fun. But it's after midnight. You know, shouldn't your sons be sleeping? Weren't they sleeping? People who know me know that time is hard for me to keep track of. I tend to be spontaneous. I do things in the spur of the moment. Why not call work the next morning to say, hey, I was out camping, I'm not going to be in today? To be honest, Saturday was a blur. I was convinced it was still Saturday. Convinced it was still Saturday, my rear end. That's a load of BS. And amazingly, that night he takes his two little boys, little boys, out camping at midnight in freezing cold temperatures. Amazingly, that same night, his wife, Susan Powell, goes missing. She has never been seen again, nor has her body been found. Now, how is it that with her missing and his flimsy explanation, he is allowed to see the boys? Why was he allowed to see the boys? What was DFACS for the state of Washington thinking? Department of Family Children's Services, CPS, Child Protective Services. But they let him. They let the boys stay in the home. Take a listen to our friends at NBC. In 2009, Powell was named a person of interest in his wife Susan's disappearance. He was never charged with a crime, but in September, lost custody of his boys to Susan's parents, allowed only supervised visits. I think he was very selfish, and that's why he took the kids. Um, if he couldn't have them, no one could have them. Police say before his boys died in the fire, Josh hit them both with a hatchet. Jennifer Graves is Powell's estranged sister. The thought of those babies suffering, and they must have, because they weren't dead when, they, when the explosion was done. They suffered and they died. The heartache and panic from Sunday, still vivid for that social worker, too. She just opened the door. The kids were one step ahead of me. They're five and seven. They were one step ahead of me, and he slammed the door in my face. The social worker's husband says his wife is devastated at the loss of Charlie and Braden. She uh, had, of course, bonded with these boys. She had taken them to a number of visits before and uh, was was very close to them. And uh, it, it, it just... Uh, well, as I say, it was devastating to her to have had this happen. Our friends at NBC earlier, you were hearing ABC, an ABC interview with the dad, Josh Powell. He doesn't even deserve that title, dad. Joining me in all-star panel, and I'm going to kick it off with the attorney for Chuck and Susan Powell, 
high-profile lawyer out of Seattle, Ann Bremner. Ann Bremner, let's just get right down to it. I, you know how I feel about social services, about child protective services, Department of Family Children Services. I think they all ought to go to jail because I have had it up to my eyeballs with children not being supervised and ending up tortured and dead. Dead. And in this case, same thing, Anne Bremner. Why were these children even having visits with a father who killed his wife? I mean, isn't it true, Anne Bremner, when the boys were asked, where's mommy? Just you tell it, Anne. What picture did they draw of mommy? They had one of her in the back of a car, in the back of a van, in the trunk of the car. They talked about their mommy being in a mine. Um, and, of course, they were witnesses. Wait, 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 Anne. Anne Bremner is with me, and she is a renowned trial lawyer. Anne Bremner, just, you just, just spit it out like it's, uh, I've turned on the cold water. No. In my kitchen, Ann Bremner, and I still have it up, when the children, I think, were in first or second grade, they drew a picture of my family. And there I am, of course, wearing my black tights and a pair of boots and a brave shirt and my hair all crazy. And there's David in his work outfit. And they put happy, mommy's happy, mommy this, mommy that, daddy this, dad. I'm not in a car trunk. That is not how they drew me. Okay, so let's just pause right there. Tell me slowly, Ann Bremner, what the picture was the boys drew of the last time they saw Mommy. They had a picture basically of her in a trunk or back of a, of a car. And remember, like you in just the said. Trunk. They... In the trunk. She's not in the way, way back watching a movie on the, in the car video. Mommy's stuffed in the trunk, Anne. It's a terrible case, Nancy. I mean, I don't think we need a shrink to tell me what that picture means, but I just happen to have one of the country's foremost forensic psychologists with me, Dr. Daniel Bober. I mean, Bober, no offense, but I think we all know what it means when the, the little boy's picture of Mommy and she's in the trunk and Daddy and the boys are driving and then they say, where's Mommy? She's in the, what'd they say, Anne? The, the mine shaft or the crystal yeah, mine? She, mommy was in a, mommy's in a mine. Mommy was looking for crystals. And then he had a drawing of a family outing showing Susan in the trunk of a car. Okay, Bober, you're the shrink. What does that mean? Yeah, Nancy, you don't need a psychiatrist to figure this one out. I mean, uh, very often these pictures are representative of kids' feelings because they can't verbalize their feelings. And so they use it uh, pictures to represent what they're feeling. So this is something that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't require a lot of interpretation. So explain to me, Ann Bremner, how in the H-E-double-L does Daddy, with a picture of Mommy in the car trunk, how in the H-E-double-L does he get visitation? And now the boys are dead. Social services was part of this. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. There was a man and two children. I just dropped off the children and he wouldn't let me in the door. The social worker who brought seven-year-old Charlie and five-year-old Brayden to their father, Josh Powell's home, immediately called 911. There's two little boys in the house and there's an adult man. He has supervised visitation and he blew up the house and the kids. 
From the beginning, it was clear this was no accident. And you think he might have done this intentionally? Yeah. Police say Powell planned the double murder a day before, purchasing 10 gallons of gas, transferring $7,000 out of his bank account, even giving away his children's toys. Hello, this is Josh. I'm calling to say goodbye. Powell then left this chilling voicemail with family and friends 20 minutes before he torched his home. I am not able to live without my sons, and I'm not able to go on anymore. I'm sorry to everyone I've hurt. Goodbye. Uh, oh, please, just spare me your I'm sorry. You're not sorry. He murdered your wife, Susan, and you got away with it. And then you murdered your two little boys, Charlie and Braden. And the devil's henchman is social services, child protective services, because they went along with these visits. And I don't care if you say supervised visit, supervised schmoovervise. If he wanted to kill these children, and we already know he's a murderer, then a single woman unarmed is not going to stop him. What we know now is there has been a major development in the case. And joining me right now, high-profile lawyer out of Seattle, the lawyer for Chuck and Susan Powell, Ann Bremner. Ann, what is the development? We're suing Child Protective Services in the state of Washington. For Praise failing to protect- the Lord. Praise the Lord. They're finally going to be held accountable. Now, I hear you say sue, S-U-E. That's civil court. Only in criminal court can somebody go to jail. I think they should go to jail. But this is a start. Ann Brenner, tell me about the lawsuit that Susan Powell's family is bringing against child services. It's a a case alleging that the state and child services failed to protect the kids from from Josh Powell. And it's a bigger issue, Nancy, which is they've always had an emphasis of reunifying families at any cost versus looking at the best interests of the children. And we want the focus, of course, to be on the latter, and it should have been in this case. It's basically there were red flags in this case. Number red one, flags. that he killed, killed his wife. Anne, right. Anne, Anne, now you know how much I love you, Anne. I you and you. I have shopped for lipstick together. Okay, yes. that goes a long way with me. And I happen to know you'll only wear one type of lipstick, which is now no longer being manufactured. What What is it? Something like... Crazy it was red. Chanel. Yeah, it was a Chanel pink, number 169. You always remember. But yeah, that's lost. right. And I've got that written down by your name in my <laughs> iPhone. Okay. Um, but for <laughs> those of you listening right now, what did you say? Chanel 169 something pink? It was a, the lip gloss. But okay. I don't make it anymore, Nancy. I know, but maybe there's some bootleg out there we could find. I, okay. I don't know how, how could I possibly say red. When it's clearly pink, Karen Smith, forensic expert, is probably just like just shaking at the thought of such a mistake. But (laughs) you and I go way back, Ann Bremner. We do. Don't just pass this off. This is a big deal for all the mistakes social services has made over all the years with all the children ending up dead on their watch, including Charlie and Brayden. Finally, somebody is taking them on. 
Take a listen to our friends at TV5. This is Jed Bowl. Cox said that his attorney suggested that he sue the state and Child Protective Services, but he says that's as far as it's gone right now. But he does want more answers and safeguards for other children in similar circumstances. Last week, we discovered Josh Powell had hundreds of images of disturbing cartoon sex and graphic depictions of incest on his home computer. That's something Utah authorities investigating the disappearance of Susan Cox Powell kept private for two years. A Washington state psychologist saw those images only six days before Powell killed his boys and blew up his home. Chuck Cox says he always had concerns about supervision during Powell's visits with the boys. We felt there should have been, uh, you know, some armed police officers or three or four people at least just to make sure nothing went on there. Now the Coxes and Senator Pam Roach want to find out what evidence the Division of Child Protective Services had on Powell. Evidence that might have blocked him from visiting the boys at all. Reports last week reveal Powell had been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. He'd also been ordered to undergo a psychosexual evaluation. Yet his visitation rights continued after that courtroom setback. So they knew he had mental issues, problems, and he was under a great amount of stress. The senator and the boy's grandparents will hold a meeting Thursday to explore what the senator calls serious problems with CPS and to offer solutions for situations that may jeopardize a child. And as for suing the state? It has been discussed. It's uh, being considered. Well, it's not just a thought anymore. That lawsuit is on. And when I think about these two little boys, Charlie and Braden, already having lost their mom, actually being in the car when their father disposed of her body, and now they're dead because social services did not bring out the evidence against the father who murdered them. To Ann Brenner, high-profile lawyer out of Seattle, and when the images were found on the dad, Josh Powell's computer, cartoon images about incest. What exactly are we talking about? What were the images? Well, they're, they're images of incest, mom, kids, dad, kids, um, very graphic. And in some jurisdictions, that's criminal, even though it's cartoon. There were 400 images, and they were known to CPS, and yet he still had visitation. And they were considered by Dr. Manley, who was evaluating him and, and talked about narcissistic traits, etc., and, of course, wanted a psychosexual evaluation, which would have meant, as you know, Nancy, a polygraph and a placismograph. A what-a-graph? Because I saw Jackie Howard's head just spin around, and uh, if she doesn't understand it, I know a lot of people don't explain. It's, it's basically a, a testing for deviant arousal, um, which could include incest. Um, okay, in now, wait, wait, wait. Let's just break it down, Ann Bremner. When you say deviant arousal, and you just glossed over that so quickly, it's a test to, you know what, Bober, you're the forensic shrink, Dr. Daniel Bober, explain what she's talking about, and please talk in regular people talk. Basically, Nancy looks at erectile response to certain images, and they look at baseline images of normal heterosexual behavior, and they compare it, for example, with deviant images of children and uh, they look at the arousal response to the penis. Ann Bremner, instead of undergoing the polygraph and the platismograph, he killed his children and then killed himself. And social services 
had those records. They were evaluated just six days before the children were murdered. Look, the other night, I woke up in the middle of the night because I was worried I'm going to take the children camping, and I was worried who's going to stay with my mom. And I was worried about the caretaker to make sure she knew all the details. 3 a.m., I was texting her. You can't tell me that six days pass and they have this knowledge and they do nothing about it. And now the boys were chopped dead with an, an axe, Anne. And not only that, but what people don't realize about this case is that there had been more secured visitation sites. But this was not the case when the boys were killed. It was in the home that he had staged. It was a rental. And there was no, quote unquote, supervision other than somebody bringing the kids into the house. So there, there was no security there and no true supervision, at least from our perspective, at the time that the boys were hatcheted to death and then set on fire. Can I just say, uh, joining me, a former FBI special agent, Jeff Cortezzi, that the apple don't fall far from the tree. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Susan was uh, very, very sexual with me. She was very flirtatious. I mean, I'm, I'm her father-in-law, and uh, she, she would do a lot of things that, that um, I mean, she was just, she did it, I did it. I mean, we, we interacted in a, a lot of sexual ways because Susan enjoys doing that. Do you think a part of you started falling in love with Susan? That's pretty likely, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would say so. And, and, I, and, and there's no question in my mind that the feelings were mutual. That is total BS. That is Josh Powell's father who was convicted for all of his uh, eavesdropping and spying and illicit photos of Susan Powell, claiming there was a relationship between them. And catch this. Josh Powell went and lived with his dad after Susan was murdered. And he condoned this. His own father would get Susan's clothing, including her underwear, out of the dirty clothes hamper, lay it out on the bed as if in the shape of a person, and then put her picture on top of it, her photo, her head, and then make out with her clothes. There were, Ann Bremner helped me out, how many hundreds of images were there that his Josh Powell's father had illicit images? Oh, too many to count. And there were seven different computers or more. And he was filming the little girls next door naked. Um, and so many pictures of Susan that he would morph her, including putting his private part near her mouth in a, in a picture, things like that. And, you know, when Child Protective Services took those kids... They were aware that these images had all been, that were there from the father, and also aware that that was a house where there's a noose hanging from the ceiling and a picture of a woman with a, a sword up her vagina, and then private things belonging to Susan. He was obsessed with Susan. And now Susan is dead. Levi Page with me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Josh Powell's father went to jail 
Are you familiar with that case, Levi? Yes, he went to jail for everything that we're talking about now. And then he died a couple of years later, not that long ago, Nancy. And this guy was really sick. And this entire family, the Powell family apparently was very troubled because there's Michael Powell, the father of Josh Powell. He got rid of his vehicle not long after Susan Powell vanished. And police seized that vehicle and they detected human decomposition inside that vehicle a cadaver dog detected that and then a year after his brother josh powell committed suicide michael powell committed suicide in 2013 and police believe that those two brothers josh powell and michael powell along with their father knew exactly what happened to susan and that's very disturbing that the three of them knew and did not tell law enforcement about it to FBI Special Agent Jeff Cortezzi. Jeff, I mean, in my mind, this is a treasure trove of evidence. And I don't understand why authorities did not act when they could. When, and they kept letting these two little boys go for visits with the father. Jeff, this scene was so staged. I mean, Powell blew up the house with the children in it. But only later was it learned that he chopped them with an axe first. And in my mind, social services is right there in it. Nancy, this is this is one of those cases that uh, is incredibly difficult to to consider and think about. And, you know, I try to put myself in the position of the other law enforcement officers who are investigating this case. And I, I can't even imagine uh, what they felt going through this process. Um, you know, they had a great deal of evidence, as you pointed out. It, it was everywhere. Uh, but but ultimately, law enforcement, if if Susan Powell is determined to be dead, then what they really want is to find the body. Um, and, and, you know, if if there was any opportunity missed, potentially, uh, it, it probably is the December 8th to December 10th window. So uh, just the couple days after Susan Powell went missing, uh, turns out uh, Josh rented a vehicle, uh, disappeared. Disappeared for a couple days, uh, traveled 800 miles, at least put 800 miles on the vehicle. Um, I think that that was a window of opportunity that may have been missed. He could have been meeting with co-conspirators. Coincidentally, his father was uh, called in sick over the December 8th and December 9th time period. You know, the the whole thing is a travesty. The the evidence is everywhere. There were opportunities missed. but, but as far as child services, the writing was uh, more than on the wall. Well, and here's the way the whole thing shook out to Ann Bremner, high-profile lawyer out of Seattle and the lawyer for the Powell family. What we know is that the grandfather, Su- Susan's father-in-law, Josh Powell's father, was convicted of child porn and voyeurism on little girls. But following Susan's death, her disappearance... He, Josh Powell, was allowed to take the children and move in with his perverted dad in Washington State, taking the little boys with him. Stephen Powell, the grandfather, was arrested for child porn, and that is when Susan's family, the Coxes, filed for custody of the boys. They got temporary custody And long story short, I don't understand how social services went along 
with the two little boys getting visitation with their dad that murdered their mom. It should just be common sense, Nancy. That's what we've always said. If you, if there's probable cause to believe that a parent caused the disappearance of another parent or killed him, they shouldn't have access to the children. We even tried to get a law passed to that effect in Washington State with, State with Senator Roach. It didn't pass. One like it did pass in Utah, you know, where Susan had lived previously. But that's a very basic concept. On that fateful day, and listen to this, social services allowed this dad, this murderous father, with child porn cartoons on his laptop, have visitation three days a week with the little boys. On that day, he had a scheduled visitation day with Charlie and Braden. As they come to the door, he quickly grabs the boys, pulls them in, and shuts and locks it. He axes them dead and blows up the home. Listen. visitation for a court-ordered visit, and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house, and the parent, the biological parent, whose name is Josh Powell, will not let me in the door. What should I do? What's the address? It's 8119, and I I think it's 89. Um, I I don't know what the address is. That's pretty important for me to know. Um, Sorry, I can't. Just a minute. Let me get in my car and see if I can... Really shocked? Then why did you let the children go in the house without you? Now listen to the rest of this call. Yeah, he exploded the house. Ma'am, yeah, you know he exploded the house. Okay, you know if anyone's in the house? Yes, there was a man and two children. I just dropped off the children and he wouldn't let me in the door. And people are saying there's not somebody here, but I was just there and there is somebody here. There's two little boys in the house. You saw him go back into the house when the flame, right before the flame? He didn't ever leave the house. He just opened the door. The kids were, kids were one step ahead of me. They're five and seven. They were one step ahead of me and he slammed the door in my face. And you think he might have done this intentionally? Yeah. I don't understand why they were having visitation. Help me out, Ann Bremner. And what is the purpose of the lawsuit? This is a major development. Social services for the state of Washington finally being sued. Well, the purpose is to shift that focus, like I talked about, to the best interest of the children. This is the worst case, I think, that any of us have ever seen in terms of a child um, custody uh, matter or visitation involving a state. And my clients don't want the deaths of these children to be in vain. They want their children's lives to mean something to the safety of all future kids, you know, in the state of Washington that may be subjected to confines by the state uh, or dictates by the state, visitation, foster care, etc., or custody. We really want people to see the kind of red flags that should be looked at. Like in this case, there was a search warrant issued by a judge. A judge found probable cause that Josh had killed his wife. They knew that. The state of the home, the porn in the home, the fact that Josh had taken out $3.5 million in insurance on his wife and kids, 
the fact that he was despondent about the psychosexual evaluation, the fact that he was controlling of the kids, the fact that the kids were now speaking more and more about what they saw that night it's, you know, when they were two and four, they're getting older and they're articulating what they saw. They were witnesses to their mom's demise. All of those things were of great concern, but yet they were they were ignored, those signs, those red flags. Do and you believe, Ann Bremner, do you believe that in social services files there was damning evidence against Josh Powell, but he was allowed to have visitation with the boys, even though social services knew all of this information? It's our contention, Nancy, in this case, that they knew all of this information. Have you ever been able to look in those files? Have you ever seen what's in them, Ann Bremner? I have, and we've conducted discovery in this case for quite some time, and we've been up to the Ninth Circuit and back in this case, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the files have a lot of information about the visitations, but they also have information about Josh Powell. They never even determined whether or not he was complicit in the pornography that was in that house where the boys were residing. They never figured out whether or not there should be a domestic violence assessment of him. There never was one, even though there was probable cause to believe he killed his wife. All of these kinds of things are in the files. Everything's written down. But actions speak louder than words, or inaction speaks louder, you know, frankly, in this case. And that was not acting quickly enough to save them. Not acting quickly enough. Years go by. And then six days before the boys are murdered, you have a shrink looking at all of this incest porn, child porn, cartoons. But they did nothing. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In a court filing this past Wednesday, he made a strong appeal. I've proven myself as a fit and loving father who provides a stable home even in the face of great adversity. A lesser person would fall under the intense scrutiny I am facing. But the judge requested a lie detector test and further evaluation. I don't think the order of the evaluation caused this. I think that this has been... Um, coming it's been brewing for a long long time and even though the family begged the court for help those visitations were in place and they were allowed the boys grandparents say they are convinced that josh powell saw the kids as his own like possessions and he didn't want anyone else to have them her blood sister told me the parents begged for him not to have visitation at all. I mean, come on, what more do you want? The mom has been murdered. She was taken out of Josh Powell's home and murdered with the boys in the car. He also had them in a scenario with his father, who is now behind bars for child pornography. Under these circumstances, the judge should not have ordered visitation at Josh Powell's home. And who could have stopped that? Social services now being sued. That was me speaking with ABC's Neil Karolinski and Bremner. This lawsuit that the Powells, who you represent, are filing against social services could be a landmark case across our country. What do you think? I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, I've practiced law, Nancy, now for 36 years, and it would be my greatest honor um, and achievement to see that happen in this most tragic case. Karen Smith with me, forensic expert, founder of Bare Bones Consulting. To you, Karen Smith, 
What do you expect will be in those child services files? Listen, you've got photographs of the crime scene. This is all discovery, Nancy. Everybody pretty much should have everything at this point. The police reports, all of the information that the the homicide detectives, the patrol officers who first responded to the house and saw floor fans in the house pointing at a sofa that had freshly been cleaned along with the carpeting. Uh, Clue phone, it's for you. They did testing on that sofa. They sprayed luminol on it and the carpet. There are impact spatters all over the place, which is indicative of some kind of blunt force trauma. The blood came back to Susan Powell. I don't understand, first of all, how charges weren't brought right then, and let alone Department of Children and Family Services ignoring all of that in the face of her disappearance and these two little boys and their safety. I am dumbfounded right now, Nancy. Well, listen to this. And child services knew this. The day after Susan goes missing, four-year-old Charlie tells the cops he knew exactly where his mom was, that they had all gone on a, quote, midnight drive, and she stayed at a place the boy called the, quote, Dinosaur National Park, that, quote, my mom stayed where the crystals are because it has so much pretty where the crystals grow. That's what he told police. But knowing that, child services still did not open up their files and allow a judge to make an informed decision. Let me understand something to Ann Bremner. Is it true that two of the social service workers have gotten immunity? There was a court finding of of immunity in this case, qualified in absolute immunity. And also, Nancy, with respect to those Utah files, a court there um, had a gag order on and a sealing of those files. One final thing on that issue, Nancy, one of the caseworkers in our case said the people in Washington State at CPS couldn't look at other states' evidence. That is a lie. That is an outright lie. I don't believe that for one minute, Ann Bremner, when it comes to the safety of children. Absolutely. That's why, why, that's why we have... We've had so many changes now in terms of cooperation between states and other in different agencies. It's to make sure that we don't have problems like this where there's information that's not fully known. But it was very public about the camping trip, about what the kids had said. And, of course, like I said before, there was that search warrant um, affidavit and a finding of probable cause by the judge. And the warrant included all the things we just talked about in terms of probable cause for belief that Josh Powell for the belief that Josh Powell killed his wife. You know, the signals are so alarming. One day, Charlie comes into kindergarten and says his brother was dead. And more and more would start to say odd things about death. Clearly, the murder of his mother was gnawing on this child's mind. To Karen Smith at Bare Bones Consulting, There was a treasure trove of evidence, but it was ignored, and now the boys are dead, Karen. That's an understatement. I I can't believe the amount of evidence that police found in this house. Blood evidence alone, Nancy, not including the cars, not including the human decomp, not including what they found at the abandoned car at the airport. I'm talking about the initial search warrant served at this house with the carpeting and the couch that were, were being dried by floor fans. Listen, they did their job. 
They sprayed luminol. They had the blood stain patterns. They had everything. They did the DNA testing. They did the swabs. It all came back to Susan Powell. I cannot understand. I understand they want the body. You don't have to have one to bring charges against someone. And I have had cases with a lot less evidence and a lot less uh, information than this case brought charges and a conviction in a court of law. So I am I'm really struggling with understanding why Josh Powell was not arrested and grilled in the box to find out what the heck happened. Jeff Cortez, a former FBI special agent, what should have happened? I think ultimately what should have happened is charges should have been brought. Um, I, I, I think uh, the, certainly the evidence was there with the blood splatter. With uh, I mean, the, the, the case is riddled with evidence. Uh, everywhere you look were signs of uh, foul play. Uh, everywhere you look were uh, overt actions by uh, Josh to to avoid implicating himself. You know, handing over cell phones without SIM cards, uh, disappearing for a couple days, uh, you know, the brother's car. Uh, the investigation from top to bottom is sufficiently uh, filled with, with, with evidence. Um, <laughs> I, 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 like you and your other guests, are a little dumbfounded, to, to say the least. That, that charges weren't brought. I understand the overall idea of trying to find the body, but at the expense of dragging this out and exposing others to, to harm, especially those boys, was just unconscionable. Well, social services sitting on this information and going along with these visits, unforgivable. Ann Bremner, the civil trial against the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services in connection with the death of the two little boys, has been set. It will go down at the Pierce County Court in Washington. What do you want the outcome to be, Ann Bremer? I would like to see a jury, and it will be a jury, make uh, findings that red flags were ignored in this case. I'd like to see a jury acknowledge that there should be certain protocols in place in this state to make sure that kids like Charlie and Braden aren't horrifically murdered. And I'd like to see a public airing of this case so that everybody, all the citizens of the state of Washington, can see what went right, if anything, and what went wrong to make sure this never, never happens again. And I'd like to see a focus on the kids, just the best interest of the child. It's so simple. We don't want to reunify families when this is going to happen, this kind of tragedy is going to happen. We see it over and over and over again. We have to look at what's best for the children and follow that every single time. Well, apparently I'm not going to get my wish, and that is for social services to do hard jail time. Because I believe they were aiding and abetting a situation that ended in the murders of little Charlie and Braden. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.